When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Monop, and I've got some good news for you. I have your must-see movie of the summer on this episode. I have the production designer to tell you all about it. Her, li- her name is Liz Tuncol, and she is the production designer of Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. And I think everybody wants to escape when we go to the movies, and this is such a a beautiful little story and makes you laugh and if you have a heart you'll tear up and you could take kids to it and it's so so incredibly sweet I can't wait for you to hear her talk about it I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to see it and to talk to her about the uh the magical little world she created for him uh other than that you know I am prepping um and it's at the point where you've researched a lot of things and you're ready to pounce. You're ready to buy. Let's buy it. Let's, let's commit to this chair. And you're kind of like, is it good? <laughs> Can I go? Can we get? So I have like this. I, I feel like it's always like this no matter what you're on you're just ready to buy you're almost ready to like just get going like I I feel like I just want to get everything in there and see it all together and I can't yet because they're still building the sets (laughs) like there's nothing for me to put in yet but I'm kind of ready with some things obviously not everything there is a ton of things to get for things for space um buttons and knobs and um, I mean all of that is dressing on the walls and um, working very closely with the art department of their specifications of what they want these, like, say, spaceship panels inside to be. So it's a, it's really a, a real learning curve for me because I haven't done this before and it's so intense of the specifics that it needs to be for either the script or, you know, for electrics and the right wattage and... I am just super lucky that I found good people to help me through this right now. (laughs) So, yes, it really is taking a village, I believe, to get this one done. And it should. It's massive. You have no idea how many new sets we have. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about it. But if you are a fan of For All Mankind, this fourth season is going to be... It's going to knock your socks off. (laughs) It's, it's, It's crazy. It's a crazy amount of work and it's a it's an adventure of a story so if you're not a fan get on it um what else are you watching what else are you watching this summer anybody got anything good they want to if i haven't talked about it maybe let me know am i missing something i know the gardener i know i was told about that i got i got that's on the list um i finished obi-wan kenobi And aside from the beautiful sets and everything, I would have to say the story overall, eh, it started out really good and you were like, oh wow, we're going to go down this road? This is crazy. Did this really happen? And then you're thinking in your mind, 
does this tie in with Star Wars? Did somebody make sure that this all ties together? <laughs> and then, like I feel with Boba Fett and Mandalorian, the middle episodes get kind of boring. There's a lot of filler in these little uh, Disney, you know, episodic uh, Star Wars things. I-, I don't know, like they can't have a good story every episode. I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get why it can't just be like a good eight episodes. There's only really like three good episodes story-wise. You probably watch one, seven, and eight and be fine with all of them, really. I don't know. That's, I don't know. But I still think it's good and I still love watching it and I'm, I'm in. I just get kind of bored in the middle. I don't know if my attention span is really losing it, but... I, uh, I finished, I binged and finished the third season of Barry on HBO with production designer Eric Schoenover and set decorator Rachel Ferreira and, whoa, Barry. Barry went down a road I didn't think he was going to go. I think it's a completely different show than what I signed up for, uh, season one, and here's this. I talked to production designer Eric Schoenover, and we'll have that episode for you in two weeks, and we talk about the differences of the seasons, and, you know, he's, he was the art director, and is now the production designer, and, you know, how he, how he took that on, so that's pretty interesting, that's something to look forward for, two in two weeks for you, um, other than that, I am watching for all mankind on Apple too, that they're given one, you know, it's one a week. I think it's every Thursday because the versions that I saw were not finished. So I saw a lot of the cool kind of cool shit of just people on a green screen and like, you know, there's, I don't know. It was cool to see like, oh yeah, that's how we do it. And then now watching it like fully done cuts, um, I'm telling you, the third season, I think, might be the best one. Uh, and um, and then, of course, next season will be really good. So, yeah. Other than that, uh, if you haven't cut Rutherford Falls, I, I decorated the second season with production designer Kathleen Wodowski. And it is now airing, the full season of season two is airing on Peacock. So check that out. It's cute. It's funny. Ed Helms. I mean, everybody loves Ed Helms. And um, a lot of research goes into that show to make it very authentic for uh, Native Americans and the passion and love of the showrunner, showrunner Sierra Owens is just, Orleans, is, um, it's felt throughout throughout the whole cast and crew it's a real um everybody just sort of loves being a part of it so yeah check that out um what else anything yeah let me know if you've seen anything or do you agree with me on obi-wan i mean or mandalorian and boba fett i gotta be honest i didn't even finish boba fett and i i i was into boba fett i just couldn't i don't get it i don't uh Maybe I got to go back and finish that and then, and then we'll talk, but let me know. Let me know if you're seeing something I don't, <laughs> I don't see it, but yeah. On this episode, I have production designer Liz Tuncole and Liz has designed this film called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. It's a wonderful film about a shell. Yeah, that's right. Like a seashell who lives with his grandmother in an Airbnb and he's on a little quest to find the rest of his family that has been, you know, mysteriously taken away. It's adorable. Like this, it's such an adorable little film. If you have kids, like I think it's, I'm going to take the boys to see this. I was going to be light year, but now I'm going to take them to see this as their first film. I just adore it. Um, Liz and her team designed a magical world for little Marcel using household items and just using the scale of the shell for his surroundings and making him a home and this whimsical garden. It's really beautifully done. Um, like I said, I teared up a little 
<laughs> it's touching. And what I didn't know is that this has been around for 10 years. I don't know where I've been, but I guess there have been some shorts uh, that have been on YouTube and it was kind of a big thing 10 years ago. I don't know. I was busy, but, um, yeah, so I'm glad I'm on board now. I'm into Marcel now. Liz also production designed the HBO miniseries, The Lady in the Dale, which, you know, I raved about months ago. So I, I just love that. And I love talking to her about that. Also, the film's wonderful use of multimedia storytelling mixed in with recreations. It's a fascinating story about a con artist who's an entrepreneur. And if you check out Liz's websites, it has all of her other projects on there. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy. Designing and decorating? Uh, uh, no, I I mostly I, sometimes I decorate, but I mostly design. Yeah. I just uh, I really worked my way up like indie world, mm -hmm. so I've done a lot of basically decorating. So you went you you have a background in design though. You went to Tish. How yeah, so I went to Tish for film, and there I did both like directing and design. Um, and then I went to grad school at CalArts where I did mm. scenic design and fine art. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, yes. I, have, I have a master's degree in this. <laughs> you are a master. It's, yeah. it's so funny because there's so, there, there's so many people who didn't go to school for this. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but there's people who did and it works out. Like, it's. Not a, it doesn't always work out. Oh, no. I mean, that's what I always tell people when they want to do this kind of thing. Is And I know people told me this, and it was so daunting, but it's like there is no pathway. No. Like, there's no way for someone to tell you how to get these kind of jobs to get into doing this. It's really like trial by fire. Yeah. And it's um, timing and being prepared. That's what I always say. You have to have some talent or some perseverance and the timing will present itself and you got to be ready yes and you also have to just I think the hardest part for me is just like picking yourself up after you make mistakes because you're going to make a lot of mistakes you know what I mean yeah. it's a really hard job and you're expected to know a lot and be responsible for a lot and so I think just having like um giving yourself some grace to like make a mistake but keep pushing forward and not give up yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. That's what I tell people because, you know, I also make art and it's like any of this stuff, if you don't quit, something will happen. You just have to have the strength to keep trying, yes. <laughs> which is the hardest part. I, uh, I loved seeing on your website that you have like art on there and you're not it. You're so well-rounded in this in this world. I was like, oh, wow, you you really do some shit like you <laughs> You got like everything on there. It's amazing. It's a really good website too. I really thank you. Um, shout out to Jessica Toscano at Frankie, my dear, for helping me design my website. Yeah, it's really nice. She's amazing. Her and her team are amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that for me has been something really important to me my whole time. Even when I decided to really pursue being a production designer, um, I've always made my own work, my own films, my own performances, and I wanted to have a career that allowed me to continue to do that, especially when I graduated from college wanting to pursue directing. It was 2007, and being a female director is like a joke. I mean, it still kind of is, yeah. but it was like a real impossibility. Yeah. And much more, much more so than trying to pursue being a production designer. So it was sort of like, I'm going to keep trying to pursue these things, but like, I'm, I need to make money and pay my rent. So I need to have like a tangible yeah. skill set that can get me a job. And, you know, it's worked out pretty well. And I've put enough time into it that I have gotten to the point where I can kind of really take large parts of the year off to work on my own work and that's what's really important to me 
Um, and then also to the projects that I choose to design that they're, they feel like part of my creative work, that they're things I actually care about. Um, cause for so many years I had to just get experience. So right. it's like, I'll, I'll design whatever. Right. But at this point in my life, it's like, I will not design whatever either. You're going to pay me my yes. commercial rate and I'll show up for a couple of weeks or I'm going to be really personally invested in the story and like the people I'm working with. I, um, I was so excited when I saw that you did the lady in the Dale. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was obsessed with it I told everyone I told everyone on the podcast you have to watch this and not only because this the story is like mesmerizing to me but the way it was told through the design I was like it's so interesting it's not just static pictures it's not just people talking it's not just this it's the, the, the use of multimedia that you designed I just thought I was like blown away by it I just thought it was so interesting and wow, I'm, well, thank you. I'm so glad you saw it. I mean, most of that credit really goes, my partner is the like animation director of that project. Mm-hmm. And so he has a an animation company called Awesome and Modest. And I've collaborated with him a lot over the course of our relationship. And Zachary Drucker, who was the co-director on Lady and the Dale, her and I are good friends and have collaborated together before. And she knew that Sean Donnelly, my partner, was an animator um, and was like, oh, maybe he would be the right fit for this. And then we started talking about it right before COVID. And then COVID <laughs> hit. And all of a sudden, that project went from being, you know, recreations and, you know, all their footage, talking heads, et cetera, and a little bit of animation to basically being half animated because of the pandemic. And so they brought Sean and I on and Sean had such a great vision for how to kind of like incorporate the animation. And then I worked with him to sort of like how to bring that out through the design. Yeah. And it was really fun and exciting because also there was so much, we moved through so many different time periods Mm -hmm. and we had to figure out how to do that through stock footage. And like literally Sean and I, it was the worst part of the project was he would have to photograph me and like (laughs) every day. I'm basically Liz Carmichael. All of her body parts that you see are mine. And it's all my clothes. I just have in my closet. Luckily, I have a lot of crazy things. Um, And also, you know, at my house, I basically have like a prop house from from doing production design. So I had, you know, vintage suitcases. I had vintage telephones. I had all these things. So it was but we would have these photo shoots and we would just start bickering at each other. And I'd be like, I, it's like 90 degrees out. I'm in a full camp suit <laughs> in the sun. I don't want to be in this photograph. Like I've been like, you know, pandemic binge eating. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want, but, but anyway, it was such like a labor of love and it was kind of exciting too, because I got a lot of art department people and people I had gone to graduate school with. It, you know who need who are out of work because of the pandemic mm. to come in and build backgrounds and so it was a very exciting project and it was just that was something that I cared so much about the story and Zachary is also such an amazing artist and in her work her artwork she uses a lot of different media and loves collage mm. and so it was just really inspiring to work with someone like her who just not only does she have great vision, but she is so kind and oh, loves, awesome. cares so deeply about people. Oh, that's awesome. And so especially when we are all going through such a, a difficult time to like literally Zoom with someone like that every day with such like a breath of fresh air. That's awesome. Um, so it's really special. And we actually are working on two other projects with her right now that we're really oh, excited exciting. about. Um, and one of them we got to, I got to, do some crazy recreation live action stuff with her which was really exciting so it's it's so powerful when you find these people that like you really love to collaborate with oh yeah and that you also care about the same con like make putting the same work out into the world yeah 
It's the, the caring is huge because you can have a job and I, I haven't had many of them, but you could have a job and be like, I don't, I don't care. Just put it up or I don't care. Just get it up. Let's get me out of like, I really got to get out of here. And then it's like, did you put that up? <laughs> don't do that. We all care. Like everybody, this is like, this is going to be, uh, I'm, I need a moment alone in the set. I need to decorate this. I need to do this. Don't judge me. But it is, it, and it, and it, it trickles down. I feel like if, if you don't care and the people around you are like half-hearted, it shows in everyone. So it's, it really, really does. Yeah. And like, and that's why to me, my most, like the most important thing to me in picking a project or a, people to collaborate with is like respect and mm -hmm. kindness. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like, especially after the pandemic or enduring it, um, and that's really important to someone like Zachary, like literally, I, I just, I think being personable and caring about getting to know the people you're working with too actually mm -hmm. counts for a lot. Yeah. And so I'll go on so many interviews and like for jobs and people won't even ask me one question about myself. They'll just be like, what do you think for this? And maybe that works for other people they're going to work with for me. I'm like immediately like, I don't think I'm interested because I think to me, my job is to really collaborate with the director and yeah. bring out their vision. Yeah. And part of that collaboration is building trust and respect and getting, and getting to know somebody is part of that. Oh, definitely. Like, you know, as a child and I did so many, so much like theater training and acting and that's so much of it is like building the safe space and getting to care and know people. Yeah. And so um, I think that that's really important. And the people that I've worked with consistently who act that way, it just really creates better work. And you see yeah. it when you watch it rather than when there's like tension and animosity yeah. and like lack of respect. Because we spend but so also, much time together. Yeah. I mean, no I matter, mean, also, even if it's a quick project, you're immersed with these people for this amount of time. Like, you have to, you know, you got to care like, oh, oh, you're not feeling good. I get it. I know we got to get this done. Like, I get it. <laughs> you know, yeah, pe it's people. I mean, We're it's people. Like people, are people are human People first. get tired. Their, jo their jobs come after that. That's the most important thing. Their job is secondary to that. And I think the people who don't treat, like, higher ups who don't treat their crew that way, it really affects the project. Yeah. Um, and I think that also one thing, like someone like Zachary, that I really admire and try to bring into when my hiring practices is it's really important to her to have diversity um, mm -hmm. and to embrace that and like let that shine in the project. And I feel like it really shows when a crew is not diverse mm -hmm. and then when that wasn't a priority. Um, and so... Yeah, I just think thinking about those things really matters, and it's not a small thing. Yeah. I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when, when I, whenever I interview with a director for the first time, and they're like, what's important to you as, like, a designer or, like, in a collaboration? I'm always like, well, to me, like, we're basically, once we start shooting, going into battle together. And so we, like, because every day there's going to be a 100 problems we have to solve. And if we don't know that we are allies and we have each other's back, it's not going to work. No. So m the most important thing to me in the prep process is to build that foundation of trust. Yeah, trust. It has to be trust. You because have to. You have to. You have to know when this couch shows up and it's wrong that like my intention was right, but some other thing went wrong. Yeah. So it's not animosity. It's not me who was trying to not fulfill your vision, it was an outside force that we both have to figure out how yeah. to fix. There's so much of that between designer and decorator too. I mean, getting to, when you're, when you're starting to work with a new designer and you present ideas or you present that couch, it's like, you know, I'm not going against your grain. I really just saw this and thought this is why this would work. And hopefully you're building it together. And, you know, it, it, it it's not, it's rare that it's like right away because these are visual elements 
it's not people getting to know each other in a sense too. All of these other elements have to work together for us to like bring it bring it to the to the screen. So it's a yeah, lot. It's a yeah, lot. And I think that's really important. Like, you know, and I think that we're put into such stressful situations with so much pressure and such um such limited timelines that it's very easy to point fingers and to, you know, put the onus on other people. And I feel like it's really my job as a designer to stand up for the people working with me and also in collaboration with them to treat them with kindness and respect Mm -hmm. and to like understand that they also have the best intentions. And if they do something that I'm like, oh, why did they make that choice or whatever? that I have like grace and understanding for that. And that maybe I have to also understand that I need to communicate what I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause so it's always these like collaboration is, it should truly be like an equal pathway of back and forth. Yeah. It shouldn't be hierarchical. There's a hierarchy because we need a hierarchy in order to get things done and know who know who's telling who what. But in terms of like ideas and like figuring things out, we should be a team and collaborators. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I've had to work to learn too, you know? And like, I feel like, I don't know. I think it's really important. Like self-growth I think is really important. And I've, I've spent a lot of time in my own life just really trying to improve my behavior (laughs) and so well and it's too much these projects the projects are so big sometimes it's too much for one person you need to depend on people and have that trust and rapport and communicate with them so that we can all get it done on time i mean it's it's it these projects are just becoming more huge and time and money is you know get gets cut back a lot so yeah you you have to you have to be able to trust and communicate with people and and really build a quick relationship sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I guess back to my earlier point, that's why I'm saying I think it's so important to try to get to know people a little bit because Mm -hmm. that is what builds a rapport with somebody. Yeah, you're right. Um, Not treating them like they're just like a a robot who's like showed up to do your bidding. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that should be a, a point for producers and directors to know that when they're interviewing people. That's that's on them. The, I mean, and and I think it's a tell. It's if, a huge tell. It's a tell if they don't do it. Um, if you did the Lady in the Dale during COVID, how long did it take? Months. Like seven months. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I. Did you start it before COVID and then no, no you started, started during July 2020. Oh wow. So right like almost back to work but starting but getting right into it. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny because I really wanted to go see my family who's in New York mm. at the top of the pandemic, but I was terrified to fly, so my two friends and I drove east oh, wow. to go see them. It was a crazy trip, like literally, like I wouldn't go in a bathroom. Yeah. Like, it was it was crazy. Um, but while we were on that trip, we found out that the project was going. So I literally, on our route back from New York to LA, was on my phone on Slack for like 12 hours a day, looking Just, at backgrounds and Oh whatever. my God. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. <laughs> you never stop working. It doesn't matter. You never stop working. Well, it's like I do stop working sometimes, but then when I'm working, I never stop working. It's like I'll have a month where I'm totally off, but when I take a job, it's like 24 hours a day. Yeah. No matter what you do, because especially if you're invested, you're like lay down at night. Yeah. Oh my God, the drapes, they're the wrong color. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's, it's all immersive when you're on something. Um, I was lucky enough to see Marcel's shell and it made me tear up, first of all. Um, and it's so magical and so good. I have three and a half year old twins and I cannot wait 
to take them to make this. I was like, this is their first movie. This has to be their first movie. I cannot I wait for them so to see happy. it. Everyone who I know who has little children, I'm like, I really hope they'll do that because I feel like that's such a special movie to be your first movie. I was like in the middle of the movie like, oh my God, so I got I got to make this garden. We got to make this little garden outside. This would be adorable. <laughs> they would totally be into this. And then I'm like, oh, my trucks. And I'm like, I... All right, let me concentrate on this movie. Well, I can give you the, but, the, the drawings. For yeah, that's, so, <laughs> yes. So, first of all, I didn't, I didn't know that this is basically 10 years in the making-ish. I didn't realize that, that Jenny Slate and Zach mm-hmm. Dean had already, like, done small uh, projects for this on, and released on YouTube, I believe. Oh, and you'd never seen them? I had never seen them. Oh wow. And if I this had your I for- first experience. Yeah. I oh had forgot if, if I had seen it, I had forgotten it, which is a shame because it's okay. awesome. So I I was like, oh, I <laughs> I'm out of this loop, this cool Marcel loop. But I'm wondering how you got into the project and then I have so many questions about the house. But how'd you sure. how'd you get into it? Sure. Well, funny enough, Dean Fleischer Camp, the director, and I went to NYU together. Mm. Um, he was the year above me, and the, my my film that I made at NYU called Fashion Kills, um, I needed an editor on. And so my friend Alon Simka, who actually is the person who introduced me to my partners, mm-hmm. um, he seems to be really good at making connections. He's a producer. <laughs> um, he was like, oh, you should get Dean to edit your movie. He's really an amazing editor. And so I met Dean, and I was like, this person is amazing, super special, so smart. And so he edited my movie, made it so much better than it, <laughs> I could have possibly made it. And during that process, one day he met me, I was actually working on an art, in an art department on a TV show in New York, and he met me outside the office to go buy a hard drive at Best Buy, <laughs> like pre-Amazon time. Mm-hmm. And when I came downstairs, he was with this gorgeous woman, and I was like, who is this person who's with Dean? And we all went to go buy this hard drive, and it was Jenny. <laughs> and they had just started dating. Okay. And I was like, this girl has like star power like she was just so gorgeous so funny like she just you know she had star quality and so they started dating he finished editing my movie um I got to know Jenny a bit I went like he helped her do this one woman show that was at UCB that was sort of how she got SNL um and you know I met their dog Reggie and they they moved in together and the apartment where they shot the shorts. Oh. Um, and then basically I moved to LA uh, to go to grad school. So I sort of like got a little disconnected from them. And like during that time, Jenny then was on SNL and then um, that all went bust. And when that went bust, they made this Marcel short. And I'm in like my design studio at grad school, like at like 1 a.m. one night, like, <laughs> furiously making a model. And one of my peers is like, oh, look at this short. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Dean and Jenny. Oh, my God. And it was just crazy. And I was like, this is amazing. And, of course, they made something amazing together. And then, basically, it was sort of this amazing thing where all these other fabulous people I knew were helping to make this movie Mm -hmm. with them. Like my friend Mike Raisler kind of worked at Cinereach and greenlit the project and was like, gave them a bunch of notes and was an exec on it. And then my friend Liz Holm was like the main, like line producer or not line producer, kind of main creative producer. And then my friend Andrew Goldman worked at Cinereach. Uh, And then my friend from NYU, Nick Paley, was now the co-writer. So it was like all of these people that I've known for years kind of like coming together on oh that's awesome and so Liz Holm like when I would see her in New York she was like oh like Marcel we're we're like recording it at my house and maybe when we shoot it you could maybe come on as the designer I was like yes I would love that and then basically Dean and I years later sat down and like met about the project and 
they decided they wanted to work with me and that was sort of how that all came together but it was sort of this beautiful like tumbleweed of just like oh that's awesome all these these amazing amazing talented people I know like coming together on this project and then me being lucky enough for them to want to work with me that's awesome because it must be like like a reunion oh a hundred percent yeah very special in that way um Cause it's so exciting when I get to work with people I've known since I was like 18, yeah. you know, and like you oh, like they always had this special spark, like you always saw their creativity and, but now it's like honed it on and like disciplined and like really sharp. Right. We're, we're all a little more sharp, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. How, um, how did you go about selecting that house? Well, so Dean... It was such a long process of the movie before I was even a part of it. Mm-hmm. And Dean had found this house, like literally, I think, searching on Airbnb or like <laughs> driving around LA. Like it's not even a house that's listed for filming. Like he had to go and convince these people to let him shoot there. I didn't know it was and LA till. It is. I, I mean, till the, the map. Movie, till in I, the I, movie, it's supposed to vaguely be Virginia. Yeah, I was like, that's not, that doesn't even look like L.A. foliage. Like, oh, and then there he's out driving around, and I'm like, oh, well, there, I know who that is. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's kind of like, I think for Angelinos, you kind of see that from mm-hmm. parts that are L.A., but in the story, it's really supposed to be like Richmond, Virginia. Mm. Uh, but there was only so much that we pushed Right. Because um, that's where Dean is from. So it was oh, important nice. to him to kind of have that. And it was really important to him. Part of the reason he loved this house was that it didn't feel L.A. Yeah, it, it doesn't felt... at all. So, yeah, Especially, it was a good find. Like, it's funny that you call it the foliage, like the backyard. It's like the most East, because I'm from the East Coast. It's like yeah. the most East Coast looking backyard I've ever seen in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we brought in half of that. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, he kind of found this house like, you know, courted the owners to let us basically <laughs> take over it for like two months. And um, and then once he had found it, when I came on, it was a lot of figuring out how to make it actually work for the movie. Did you have like, any builds? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a number of builds. Mm-hmm. Um, besides all the little like shell homes and the miniatures. Right. Uh, for instance, the living room of the actual house has kind of like, forgive me for not knowing the architectural term, but like those windows with like the rounded tops, like very Spanish. Oh, very Spanish, yeah. Um, and the facade of the house is very Spanish and very LA. So we we, we shot a different exterior for the home oh, that, and yeah. wanted to match that in the interior. So the living room, the big wall that you see that Marcel like goes up on the blinds and sits on the windowsill that is all built and put into the home um especially because since Marcel was so directly interacting with that wall it had to be built so it could go to the stop motion stage oh I see um same with the laundry room that wall that we see at the end of the film with Mm -hmm. a window in it that is built and put into the room um, it actually, the actual location has like double doors. And so we basically built a flat that sat into it oh, nice. with a window. Um, the whole garden is built. None of that was there. Um, and then there were alts to the backyard, like pieces of the tree house we built, pieces of the, the deck and the foliage and like the greenery in the yard is all brought in. Oh, wow. Um, those were the main like the main one human size builds i i was um thinking to myself like oh this house is this house is great and when i was looking at the window shots because they're tight on these windowsills um i was like is that a really good painter <laughs> or is that existing old windowsills and then i was like look at those cobwebs like <laughs> Whoever did those cobwebs is was fantastic special effects. <laughs> well, that was spiders. So there wasn't really, yeah. Out to them. Yeah, I was like, I don't. Oh, that is fantastic. If that, if someone did that, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, it was really important to Dean because the movie is supposed to feel like a documentary, 
to have the like verisimilitude and like organic objects of our reality. So when we like had the house clean before we came in, we had all the, we like said to the cleaning crew, we were like, do not touch dust. Yeah. Do not touch cobwebs. Like, yeah. Leave all of that. Um, so a lot of that was made by spiders. So Good. shout out to them. Yeah. And then also a lot of those windowsills and painted surfaces are the real ones that have been in this house for many, many years um, with their beautiful patina. And a couple of things um, were also done by Caitlin Diliberto, who is our lead scenic, mm. who is really, really talented. Oh, um, and a couple things by uh, the shop uh, called Skid Row Sets that, that also match some beautiful paint treatments. I, I would have to think the scenic has to be really on point, and they were for this because everything is so close and tight on Marcel. Like you can't fake, you can't That's fake anything. That's the hardest was... part. It's like so many times it's like, oh, okay, we, we have so, so much to do, so little money. Like there's just, you know, we'll put something on the wall there and forget about that corner. Mm -hmm. But this movie, it's like, no, every nook and cranny has to be like perfect. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but like I mentioned earlier, that perfection, we have to be able to take every element of it and put it on the stop motion stage. That's incredible. I, I think it's incredible because to me, I, I don't know, I don't know anything about this process. And as a designer or even the decorator, it's like you're, everything you know just has to be like kind of thrown out and then adjusted to this type of stop animation and your scale everything is scaled everything is like you know reusable things and findable things and everything so I mean how much of that was scripted versus you presenting like oh it's a champagne but it's a champagne uh, you know flute or whatever yeah I mean there there was a lot that was in the script like Nick and um Dean and Jenny they all thought a lot about, you know, how Marcel traverses his world and how him and his community are able to create space, mm -hmm. especially from things left behind by humans. Um, but a lot of the finer detail, I definitely, you know, presented ideas and collaborated with Dean on. Um, and a lot of the things that were also in the script took a lot of time to figure out how to actually make it work. Right. Because like another thing that you wouldn't notice when you watch the movie, but basically anything that moves around Marcel, we had to make move in the live action shoot. Mm. So there was a lot of like magical sleight of hand kind of things to get to do all these practical effects, basically yeah. of things moving and change. And so yeah um I think in terms of like working in scale I mean that was why I thought I was a great fit for the job is because of my background with theater design I'm very used to thinking about scale because so much of the design process in theater is creating quarter or half inch models that have to exactly represent right human spaces um so I felt very comfortable figuring out how to adjust to Marcel's scale. I was going to ask that. Did you have to do models for a lot of the, like, I mean, I I don't know. Did you have to do a model for the uh, the garden or, like, uh, Connie's bedroom or? <laughs> Forgive or... My, my dog creature. Um, uh, we, we didn't make any, um, like, uh, handmade models. We did, like, for the garden and the other built elements, we did SketchUp models. Mm. Um, for any of the more, like, the, the plant homes, things like that, we collaborated with two really great stop-motion artists who, who fabricated those. So it was a lot of just conversation with them about the scale, about what we wanted to go in them, and then they would sort of they were very easily able to translate those notes and ideas into the physical form. Mm. But but yeah. none of those spaces we made models, models of. Are... It was more like sketches or um, sketch up. Nice. 
I was wondering with that if they had like a like a Marcel you just toss around and be like, oh, that's a good scale. <laughs> like, that's, Marcel fits uh, in that. A hundred percent. So um, Kirsten Lepore, the amazing animation director on the film, um, she very early on had had uh, the original Marcel 3D printed. Ooh. So that we, there were a couple of Marcel's floating around and we were lucky in the art department to have one of those. And so whenever I would go to one of the fabricators studios or when we were dressing the real home, we would always throw that in and be like, ah, okay, this thing <laughs> is too big because he's also like not in a typical scale. It's kind of like working on with a Barbie or something like mm. that. Like you have to kind of figure out the ratios based on his size. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, even the the sofa to me is like it couldn't have been too small or too big, and it needed to fit the room and the style and everything. But if, at the end, when you have you know all of those <laughs> shells and everything, and and then the coffee table like size and everything, I was like, oh man, that that would have been like getting a bunch of shells and seeing how many I could fit on there, and like. <laughs> feel like I would have been a shell lady wearing like a shell necklace trying to like in at Omega like putting down shells on tables I feel like I would have it would have driven me crazy I love that idea um well that couch funny enough was one of the hardest things in the whole movie um we basically I found this well my set decorator and I found this beautiful um like copper colored velvet couch mm. that I loved and got Dean to sign off on and it showed up and he was like no it's too stiff like it has to be mm. worn the shells have to be able to like run across it then we ended up buying like six you know thrifted couches all of which he rejected and then this I had a spark of an idea and I was like true we're gonna buy a couch we're gonna take out the cushions and we're gonna stuff it with stuffing and then yeah. I'm going to show it to Dean. And that was the one he picked. Nice. <laughs> so we never told him that that's what we did, but that's what we got him to buy one or to pick one because it was finally like so soft. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw, I was, I was thinking of that of the back cushions. I was like, wow, this is a true shabby chic sofa they have here. <laughs> Because it looks 100%. like ass yeah. prints and all. Yeah, like, bowed. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was perfect for that. I loved it. I loved, I would have to say that I love the scene at the end with everything, but um, I think it's the genius of Connie's bedroom and Connie's garden. Like, those sets are so magical. I keep using that word, but like, they're just so cute and so like inspirational of like, oh my God, like this little world is so, so great. And so I just love being a viewer in it. And it's so funny. I mean, the movie's so funny too, as an adult, <laughs> like it really reaches both sides of uh, ages. Yeah. I mean, that was, those two spaces were probably the most fun to design. Um, you know, I, I, I was, my, my two grandmothers, I, I felt a really strong connection with them. And then after they like passed on, especially with their, their stuff, like the, the things that I have of theirs. And so that's why I thought it was so exciting that, that Nana Connie lives in this old jewelry box and just sort cause so much of what I have for my grandmothers is their jewelry. Yeah. Um, and I love like creating like feminine spaces too. So I loved kind of the femininity that we brought into that space and the color palette. Yeah. The palette um, I was going to say was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like we found this old jewelry box and then we kind of like reupholstered it. Um, and there was a lot of time spent to find, I, I loved this idea of having her sleep in like a makeup compact. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> just trying to find one that had this really beautiful, well, we actually bought them separately, but finding a really beautiful powder puff mm -hmm. for her to sleep on and then like the right color of tissue for her sheets. Um, so that was really an exciting thing for me. And with the garden, um, yeah, I mean, I really collaborated heavily on the garden with my art director, Jake Tremblay, and my set decorator, Ahmed Delgado Riviera. Um, and uh, they both 
have a much like I I do not have a green thumb. I love <laughs> plants. Me either. They both have a much stronger connection to the plant world and had some really beautiful ideas and um yeah, I just think it's such a beautiful thing in the movie and especially it's it's so rare if it's even been done before in a feature film to have stop motion characters like engaged with live plants. It was yeah. such a challenge. Like we really I mean even the have... lighting the lighting of it to me I thought was really good because the absorption of one and the reflection of the uh, just how they all work together. I thought it was beautifully done. Yeah, I mean Bianca Klein, the DP, she um I think that's one of her strengths is really working with natural light and, you know, bringing, bringing out that in with live organisms. <laughs> so yeah, she did an incredible job with that. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think those two spaces are really, really magical and really like just create such an amazing world. Was, uh, was there anything that was like the heart, the biggest challenge? like the dryer or like anything that was, like, I don't know. <laughs> no, the, yes. Um, one of the biggest challenges was honestly the, the tennis ball mm. that oh, Marcel yeah. runs around in, in the movie. Um, so that's actually a robot. Um, <laughs> and we had to go through like a really uh, long process to figure out how to make that work. Um my friend uh Frances and Divine, she uh she was the fabricator of that and basically it's a robot that looks like a tennis ball, but oh, it's wow. not a real tennis ball. Um, because it was we had a diff a different version that was sort of like a robot in a real tennis ball, and we showed it to Dean, and Dean was like, it doesn't go fast enough. It has to like <laughs> zoom through a hallway or it has to be able to go downstairs. And so it was a lot of iterations to find the one that looked like a tennis ball and actually he could fully control. That's so funny because as, as cool as that is that Marcel gets around the house when he wants to go somewhere quickly in a tennis, he goes inside a tennis ball. I would never think that that would be because I just, I just assume like, Oh, that's more of animation. I actually didn't think it was a real tennis ball. <laughs> well, that was, that's the thing that was so challenging on the project and which like w w would be an interesting thing to go see the film after knowing some of that is oh, that yeah. basically we everything that moves in the movie actually moved except for Marcel mm -hmm. like so because it was really important to Dean and Kirsten Lepore that um basically like if you have a stop motion character move like a ball in stop motion the ball is going to be staccato and kind of not move like a normal ball would like think about it when you watch Gumby or mm. something like that and it was really important to them that everything around Marcel was real and so anything that moves moved in the live action shoot with no human touching it wow. so that was that was a really hard part of the process and something that we spent a lot of the the prep process figuring out was just breaking down every action in the movie to figure out how we would do it. Wow. And how long, you said you had two months in the house? Yeah, I think, Ish. I think I had about a month of prep, maybe six weeks, but it was not long. No. And then you shot for how long? We shot for four weeks. Oh, that's it? The live action. The live then action. Then the stop motion was much longer. And then that was it. Oh. I was wondering that because I was like, either this went really fast or really long. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know. Really I have no fast. idea. And I was it like. Went really, really But fast. all I could imagine was looking at the call sheet and seeing like probably like 10 sets that day or something. And you're like what wait what do we well, have there was so much too like we'd shoot out a section of the house and like have to like return the stuff from it and then they'd be like oh we're going back over there no like, oh, no no you're not <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it was it was a sprint yeah it was a sprint and oh. i had a very small crew 
who worked tirelessly and in many, many different capacities. Mm -hmm. Because not only did we have to get everything on camera, but basically as soon as we shot something out, we had to archive it and send it to cold storage for the stop motion shoot. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, because it's like doing two movies in two different places and shooting the same thing. A hundred percent. That's awesome. Well, that sounds cool and not cool. (laughs) It's a cool product at the end. It's always like I, a lot of times I'll read scripts. Like I remember reading Veep and being like, I can't wait to watch this, but I don't want to do it. I don't don't think we can do this. Can we do this? This is crazy. But then you get excited about it. Like, wow, we're going to do this. This is, this is amazing. Um, was Jenny around to do the voice? Like, does that help you? Did that help you in designing things? Like hearing her voice? So basically what they had done, as opposed to like write a script, like, you know, that like when I first saw, like was asked to look at the project, instead of receiving a script, I received an animatic which is in animation world, that's basically like the whole movie drawn out with all the audio. Hmm. Oh. And so they already, you know, they had temp music and temp sound effects, but they had all of the dialogue recorded. Um, and so I basically saw the movie before I made the movie, oh, which that's... was really helpful. So I yeah. knew what the tone was, I knew what, and Dean also drew the whole thing. He's an amazing artist. Um, and yeah, I mean, I watched the animatic and I literally was like sobbing at the end, like yeah. it was so impactful just yeah. as like sketches. Um, so Jenny came for a few days during the shoot when we shot the 60 minutes portion, because that was actually improvised, mm. but the rest of the film was already, she had pre-recorded. Oh, wow. Good for her. get in and get out (laughs) yeah I mean she was very involved with this for many years yeah she definitely put in her time she just wasn't present at the shoot the whole time well it's I mean what a I mean but I there's one other I'm gonna watch the movie that I didn't have time is it give me pity oh I can't I'm gonna I gotta I saw the trailer for it, and I'm like, I gotta watch that. I didn't have time before I talked to you, but I don't know, like, I don't know where. I, I don't. I don't remember when that's coming out. I mean, at first I was like, is this, <laughs> is this a movie about Bette Midler? <laughs> it's like, what is this? But I, I just say, I, the color of it, it just draws me right in. I don't know what you got going on there with pianos and color and like it's a stage. I, I, I love it. But so that, I, I mean, I'm going to have to get in touch with you uh, to let you know, but it looks amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that is something I collaborated on with this incredible, incredible writer-director, Amanda Kramer, who I first met, I don't know, seven or eight years ago when she was going to make this project called Lady World. And I'm instantly, I read her script and I was like, I am obsessed with this. I want to work with this person. And then I met her and I'm like, I'm obsessed with her. And then basically that project, the funding kind of fell through and she ended up sort of making it like micro, micro budget on her own. And then we like sort of stayed in touch and she approached me about this project, which was supposed to sort of be like, you know, in the vein of like Cher making a TV special yeah. in like the late seventies. Um, I think that's where I tried to read. Uh, it looks it. <laughs> and I read it and I was like, this is incredible. I love everything in this. I want to be involved. And that we made with like a stick of gum and like $2 <laughs> and with her brilliance, it looks like way more. Um, and I basically, we were supposed to shoot that like a week after lockdown in March, 2020. And so because it was a labor of love project, I had a baby grand piano in my art studio for it and a bunch of other dressing that literally sat in there for six months, um, until we could move them to storage. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that was a really exciting project because 
you know, I love experimental theater. I love performance art. And it was very much in that vein of like, how do we think about having a few special objects that transform over time? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it all takes place in like one space. In one, on time. one stage, right? It looks yeah. like one stage and then the performance and the story just unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and your website, I was like, you are fine. <laughs> like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I again, uh, I'm gonna take my twins to see Marcel when it comes out. I was gonna have Lightyear be their first film, but now I don't know. I think I think Marcel's much. It looks so drab, doesn't it? Oh, Lightyear. Yeah, like the co- I I don't know. I'm very particular yeah. about color palettes, and I'm like, it looks dark. Dark. It does look dark. I will give you that. It does. They're obsessed with Toy Story, so. That's that's I'm the sure reason. They would love it. But then I saw I saw this and I was like, this is bright and happy and so cute. Like they'll they would love this. So, um, and you're in LA. I am. I go between LA and New York. Nice. I'm doing this job right now. That'll be over in a week, and then I am going to Europe in August to perform a one-woman magic show that I'm working oh on. Oh, my God. I totally – I didn't know if you wanted to get into the magic stuff. Oh, and I, and I don't want to – I mean, that's – I might need a whole other episode on you just to talk about magic. I mean, that's fantastic. And yeah. you – are you at the magic – have you done the magic castle? Because yeah, I read so that. I'm a, mem- a magician member oh, there. That's and, so uh, awesome. I haven't, like, officially performed in any of their, like, curated spaces. Um, but yes, that's that through the magic castle is how I really learned magic. That is so completely fascinating and must be such a good, like, not that you're doing physical tricks, but like you could do some mind tricks on people. I'm sure like in this business. (laughs) Well, it is really helpful as a designer. Yeah. You know, Marcel, I really pulled from that toolbox to figure out a lot of the gags and things like that. And it's just, I feel like magician knowledge is really helpful as a designer, That's especially a- just like figuring out how to make little things really special. Oh, that's fantastic. That's such yeah. a, that's such a great thing to like pull out. I'm sure. I'm sure it comes up like every once in a while and you're like, I know how to do that. Like, yes. <laughs> I know how we can do this. <laughs> I mean, I think that's like the beauty of being sort of interdisciplinary is like you really have like a more diverse skill set. Yeah. So I think it takes a long time for people to recognize that because in our industry, people are very much like, I need you to do this one thing. But yeah. sometimes they don't realize that like being able to do a lot of things helps you do that a lot better. Yeah. The multitasking is the danger of not I mean, she's a magician, people. She's a magician. I'm so bummed I didn't spend the last hour just talking about that with her. <laughs> I kind of missed the boat on that. I should have her back on just to talk about magic, I feel like. But what I'm, well, what is she going to do? Tell me your secrets? So I guess that wouldn't work out. Or show me. I mean, I'm, we're, on, we're on a podcast here. She's not going to show me anything. But um, I am I'm really glad I grabbed her for this interview because I just think she's a shooting star and is so sweet and so nice so I'm so um, glad that she had time to speak with me and um, her love for these projects really comes through I think when she's talking about them so yeah again Marcel the show with shoes on is my summer pick (laughs) I don't care what you say I don't care about Tom Cruise or dinosaurs this, at this point in the world, we all need to see something a little loving and caring. Um, I think this is it. And then, um, as I said, on my next episode, I have production designer Eric Schoonover, who is talking about uh, Barry, the third season of Barry, which just ended on HBO Max. So if you haven't caught that, the third season is really uh, dark. <laughs> it's dark. It's a different show, but it's still good. Like, it, it's still good. I would definitely 
try to catch that if you can. <laughs> and what else I say? Oh, Rutherford Falls, season two on Peacock, decorated by yours truly. And also I have a new blog post for all those uh, graduates out there and want to start up in Hollywood. I have five tips on um, how to get into business. <laughs> I mean, just knock on doors. Everybody wants to give you a job. And you know what? It's actually really busy. So you're starting at a good time. If you, if you're looking to get into this, it's it's a really good time. It's, uh, it's plentiful right now. So good luck. I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Wana for Decorating Pages. Float into the Fourth of July on your Stogie Floaty Luxury Pool Float. Free shipping all summer with promo code FloatFree on StogieFloaty.com, and also available on Etsy.